Amen, everyone. How are you doing? Amen. Well, with the two that we had, the three, y'all did, y'all, y'all did good. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Amen. Is it warm in here? Is it just me? It's it's warm. Sister Essie. Oh, never mind, I can't ask you. <laughs> oh, Lord, it's just me. I, I, I don't think it's just me. I think it's... We need to just turn the air conditioner on that bus 65, no? <laughs> you know, this church for years didn't have no air conditioning. <laughs> when it was hot, it was just hot. <laughs> No air condition here. <laughs> the Lord brought us into the 21st century. <laughs> Amen. Let us a small thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back. We're <laughs> Amen. We were down in Sacramento in April service, and it was it was just a, it was. You know, it was a wonderful homegoing service for April. Really, really was a wonderful service. And we went, we went way back for you to sing a song. Um, Talk it over with Jesus. <laughs> that took us way, way back. That's when I used to sing in the choir as a kid, me and Frankie. James <laughs> yeah. was the drummer back then. <laughs> I was driving down today, and I was reminiscing about... My dad and mom, I was, a thought came to my mind and I just kind of laughed. I was a kid and we were getting ready to go to a youth convention. My dad used to drive the van. At that time, he also, we had a, there was a bus that he and Warren, boy, Warren had bought a bus. It was called PTL, praise the Lord. But anyway, this particular time, you know back, you know when you were traveling, going back east or a long trip to Arizona, we were going to the conventions, um, you you know, fried chicken and a piece of white bread was was part of the menu. Kilpatrick, <laughs> Wonder Bread. Well, we had Kilpatrick too, I think. Yeah. Well, on this particular day, my mom was in the kitchen. My dad was in there getting ready, and I was just a little kid. I said, "Mom, can I can I help do the chicken?" She said, "Yes." So I'm getting and putting the flour, and, and then I throw it into the. <laughs> Into the top pot, I throw it. She said, Mark, stop throwing that chicken into the pot. I said, I'm not throwing it. It's just quick release. <laughs> and my dad stopped what he was doing and started busting up laughing. But I was serious. You know, that grease was hot. Stop throwing that chicken in here. No, it's just quick release. <laughs> I just had a, had a chuckle on, on the way down. Precious memories, precious memories. I know all of you have stories that you could tell from your childhood, some things that just made you laugh, made your family laugh. And so we are just grateful for laughter, being able to have a wonderful time laughing. You know, God made laughter. You know that, right? He, he, he created it. So if you never find yourself ever laughing, just go look in the mirror and start laughing. 
<laughs> Sister Barbara is taking care of her grands, her granddaughter, and her boyfriend there on a trip to, I think it was Jamaica, the Bahamas, Jamaica, with another couple. And so they, uh, you got three of them? She has th- three babies. Lord have mercy. Starting all over. <laughs> Would you stand with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, we are here today to say thank you as we worship corporately together. As we have sang, we have come together to sing praises to your name. What a blessing to have the privilege of raising our voices and using the giftings that you have given us to worship you. Today we are reminded that our giftings come from you. And what we do, we give it right back to you in praise and honor. Blessing the Lord. We continue to pray for Kim and the family. Grieving two losses. And yet she's here. Would you do a special thing for her? We lift up Beverly. His father is very sick. Pray that you will bless and comfort the family. The Norwoods we lift up. Pray that those that have been raised in the church will Lord come back. Wherever they may be, whatever service would you bring them back. We pray for those that still have not said yes to the glorious will of God. The wonderful plan of salvation that have not said yes to heaven. God, may people just say yes. I accept the precious gift of Jesus Christ. Today, Lord, we pray that you will give us ears. Give us ears to hear feet on the mountains to carry out the word of God. We love you, we praise you, we thank you, we honor you. And as we have worshipped in song, now as our hearts prepared, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We love you, we honor you, we glory in you. Bless those that are sick right now, not able to be here. Those that are even here, not feeling well in their bodies, we pray for them. Thank you for how Brother Joe is here doing better. Thank you, Lord, for that. We give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll do anything. Amen. 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 Today we're going to continue with part four of No Deviations. Sister Hazel Goff is back in her unit, has no more gas coming through. She says, Pastor, I'm back in my unit. She's here today. Well, we're going to pick up with Titus chapter 1. Several verses we will be reading in the message. Titus chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. 
He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. But an overseer must be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Disciplined, get that. One day I'm going to get that Lambo. Discipline. Let me get back to, my, to the word here. <laughs> Disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. No deviations. Trying to not deviate today in a culture that wants you to deviate from that which is true can be most challenging. You are called today to deviate from truth. Well, the same thing was happening in the church in the first century A.D. And even with the first of God's creation. How far can, how far can we go and yet be okay? The challenge for most people is that they want to hold onto the string that keeps them connected to the anchor. But they want to go as far out as they can so that they can barely make or have any contact. They want to get to the farthest reaches, the outer limits, and yet stay, try to stay connected. But let me just say this. If you're only hanging on by a string, the thread, there can be a bump that takes you away and causes you to lose your grip. Be careful. How do we stay tethered to the truth? Y'all used to play tetherball. What's it called? Tetherball? Go around that string. Boom. Then you're trying to jump to get it before it keeps going around. <laughs> How do we stay tethered to the truth when today's laws are being written to challenge the very sound doctrine of God's word? How do you navigate when those opposed to God write legislation and then governors sign these laws into uh, sign these different legislations into law, they want to force you into silence. How do you stay connected and tethered to the word of God so that you don't lose your faith or hope or your voice? Even in this first century church in Crete, there were those who were in the church that had some beliefs that were in conflict with the sound doctrine of God's word. And there had to be a protecting of the body of Christ. Today the church is being challenged from without and from within to not hold to sound doctrine. There must be one, a holding to the truth. Two, there must be a disseminating of the truth to the body. And three, there must be a restricting and a halting of that which is against the sound doctrine of God word in the church. We continue with point two as we have been placed the right people in the right position. You know it's a bad thing when you have the wrong people in positions. You have to be very, very careful that you have the right ones and it is okay to say, you know, I think I've made a mistake. You know, I, I, I can work with various types of people, but I am not one to work with little kids and do art projects. That's not me. I can counsel, I can have fun with them, but don't give me an art project with a little kid. It is not going to be a pretty sight. <laughs>
That's just not me. For an overseer, an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant, quick-tempered, or a drunkard, that's verse 7, or violent or greedy for gain. No, it's 1 Timothy 1, 7. There you go. But hospitable. As an overseer, he must be the opposite of the five things that Paul listed in verse number 7. There are five negatives that Paul lists, and then he goes on to the next verse to list six positives, and then in chapter verse 9, even the seventh. The positives are in contrast to those that are unholy qualities. Paul begins in verse 8 with the word but. The adversative particle. This is the contrast. You must be hospitable as compared to you must be arrogant. Let me, let me tell you this. The overseer must be concerned about the welfare of others. The welfare of others. When you look throughout church history, it was always about proclaiming and listening and talking about what God has been doing and is doing to people. Do you not know that circuit preachers, preachers that would go around preaching the word of God, they would get on their horses, they would get in their buggies, and they would go and proclaim the word of God. Hospitable. It was expected that early Christians were willing to entertain those in the church as well as strangers. And get this, being hospitable really did not mean that one had a whole lot. Being hospitable meant that you took your meager possessions and you were willing to share them with strangers. You were willing to put yourself even at risk by providing to someone you didn't know. Back in the 70s, 60s, 70s, when preachers used to come to town, they would stay at the saint's house. You had to give up your room. And you were not allowed to mess or bother with the evangelists as they were holy people, always in the presence of God, always praying. And so you walked around the house really quiet. While they were there. <laughs> we had people that would stay with us. Others would have people that would stay with them. Being hospitable means that you are one that you make yourself available. It would be hospitable to those that were non-Christian. As well as those that were believers. Romans chapter 12 verse 13. It says, contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show what? Hospitality. You've been, being hospitable means basically you can, you can be nice to people. When people come to church, you need to make sure that you greet people. Say hello to people. Let, let people know that they are welcome. So it's not just your house that you've been hospitable, but even within the church, show yourself hospitable. First Peter chapter 4. Phil, you just knocked that fly over here. I'm knocking it back to you. That fly come down on Sunday morning, Ronnie. He said, demonic fly. <laughs> I prayed that God would give us hearing. He's trying to steal the word. Romans chapter 12, 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. First Peter 4, 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
Do you not know that God does not like grumbling? I used to grumble at times as a kid. When we had people always at the house. Why did God be here today? I did, I'm telling on myself. Not all the time, it was fun at times, but sometimes. Who, who are these people? <laughs> Do what? Go play with them. <laughs> it was expected not only of the, of the parents, but for the kids to entertain their children. Number two, one must be a lover of good, Paul says in that second matter in chapter here in Titus 1.8. A lover of good. Now, this is as opposed to being quick-tempered. Actually, when he says a lover of good, it really means a lover of all things, whether it's immaterial as well, immaterial things. A lover of good, not just of people, but of good things. Good laws, good procedures. Good things. One must be a lover of these things. You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a simple person when it comes to eating. I like hamburgers. I like hot dogs and fries. <laughs> I, I'm just as satisfied with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Loved them as a kid and I still like them today. Still don't like no peas. And so don't get no funny ideas, Letitia. Don't, don't. Put some peas in the freezer one day. Pastor, there's some peas in the refrigerator in the freezer for you today. (laughs) Got to be a lover of good. That means when there's something that goes against God's word or his will, there must be something that rises up in you that says that's not right. You want there to be good. I'm going to say this right now. I said it years ago. I was on the radio. I said It is not right that boys should be allowed to go into the girls' locker room. It it is not right for girls to be able to go into the boys' locker room. Today's laws are not right, and so there should be something that stands up and raises up and says, that's not right. We ought to be a lover of that which is good. Will you stand against that which is wrong, even if it costs you? Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, look at this list, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, he says, think about these things. (laughs) What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. And the God of peace, look at this, will be with you. Look at the list that he gives. These good things. Today, why are there things that are set up against God? Why? Because they have a different father leading them. The God of this world is opposed to God. The God of this world. The God of this world. The the enemy does not like God. He tries to do the very opposite and seeks to do the very opposite of that which is good. You see, God is all good. Satan is all bad. And when we have things that comes into conflict, your antenna should go up and says, wait a minute. Is this right or not? Let me tell you this. If you try to stay in the middle of things, you're going to get squashed. (laughs) Why? Because being in the middle, trying to just fit in and not take a stance will cause people on both sides to really not respect you. 
The Bible says you got to be either hot or cold. Today the church must take a stance. Why? Because we are in a world today where things are happening where if you take a stance for righteousness, you might just be canceled. And Paul is telling even the church, telling Titus, Titus, you hold on to that which is good. You hold on to that which is right. Don't be swayed by those in the church that wants to give a different message. Number three, he says, be self-controlled. As opposed to a drunkard, I'm saying a violent. This means that one has mastery over his mind, his deeds, his emotions, his words. When one is self-controlled, that means that they have mastery over their, their whole self. When you lose control or say that you are returning to an earlier state or going back to your street days or your past, you are actually doing the very thing that Paul condemns. I almost went back. <laughs> Forgot who I was. <laughs> Paul says, no, don't go there. He says, be self-controlled. Have mastery over your emotions, over your mental capacity, over everything. It is always better to not say something that might get you into trouble than to say it. Because guess what? You can always say, thank God I didn't say it. As compared to, oh, God forgive me for saying it when you were telling me no. Number four, be upright. This means be just and righteous. You see, we must do things that are right even when others are not looking. You know, there's a challenge because there are times when people are looking, we want to put on our good self. But Paul is saying that we've got to be upright. We've got to be just. Even I'm saying when others are not looking. Number five, be holy. Being holy means that you are set apart for God's use. Holiness is not a matter of the act of necessarily doing something or showing people I'm holy by how I live or going hallelujah or you know that's not holy actually it doesn't mean that you, when you say a holiness church it may be a certain conduct but holy means that one is set apart for God's exclusive use so when Paul says be holy oh you need to remember that you belong to someone you belong to the great God and you can't just do things your way you see being holy is so important. When we think of holiness and say God is holy, we oftentimes don't always associate that with the judgment side of God. God being a holy God cannot, does not tolerate sin. Why do you think the wrath of God was poured out on Christ on the altar, on the, on the cross rather? He took the pain, he took the torture, he took all of that for us. Why? Because God's wrath is against sin. So be holy, be set apart for the Lord. Must be holy, must be set apart. Be disciplined. Discipline, in this sense, is power or lordship over oneself or over something. Having lordship over oneself. Be disciplined. When somebody says be self-disciplined, be self-disciplined. I'm really not always... Discipline, and Beverly has not helped me. She's standing out to she hasn't helped with cereal. <laughs> I have this thing about cereal that I eat too much of it. 
Some of y'all got something that, that y'all not disciplined with. Oh, you, you got some kind of, some food. See, see, I have this bad habit that when I go to sleep on the couch, I wake up with a desire and a hunger for cereal. I go get Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Captain Crunch Berries, Frosted Flakes. Not that that's any sugar in any of those cereals. <laughs> Throw up some bananas in it, some cravings. <laughs> but guess what? The last two weeks, I've been self-disciplined. I've had no cold cereal. Why? Because I've been seeing myself and I don't like what I'm seeing. <laughs> so, when I look at a certain picture, they say, what? Is that me? I said, oh Lord, <laughs> i got to do something. So, I've decided to start walking again. Isn't it so interesting how it takes no effort to put on weight, but then you can't get it off? You do all this stuff. You can just sit down and do nothing, just pop it in. <laughs> no problem. Sit there, I, I just get, but the last two weeks, I've gotten myself up, and I'm saying, I'm getting out there, and I'm back, going back walking. So I did last week, and, and I did it yesterday. So I'm giving myself a year to work off a certain amount. <laughs> and so, that's me. And I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna really temper that cereal. It's still there. My daughter came on too and says, oh, dad hasn't been eating cereal. She's all the cereal still lined up there. I'm going to probably tell her to take it. <laughs> Any of y'all want some cereal? I can bring it. We'll put it in the pantry downstairs. <laughs> Titus chapter 1 verse 9. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradicted. First Timothy 4, 6, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrines that you have followed. The gospel itself is the trustworthy message. The gospel is the trustworthy message. There are two outcomes expected of the overseer Holding to the trustworthy message, there are two things, really thing, three. He has to be willing to hold on to that message. But the two things, one, he has to give instruction in the sound doctrine that has been learned and studied. He needs to pass it on to others. Paul says that you must be able to pass that on. Listen, hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able, that 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 bishop, that elder, to be able to give instructions and sound doctrine and to also, what, be able to rebuke those that come in opposition. There was the temptation of those who opposed the message to add to the message of salvation. There were those in the church where Paul is telling Titus that you must rebuke those, teach those the word, but you, may, you must come against those and stop those who are bringing this extra that you have to do. Do you not know that salvation is Christ alone? You cannot add to it. And there are those in the church saying, yes, but there must also be circumcision. There must also be this. Anything you add to the word of God that says a person needs this to be saved, it is adding extra. 
Paul says, come against it. The matter here stems from those that were teaching falsehood in the church. The overseer had to deal with this in one point so that there is restoration. In other words, when he had to rebuke those that were coming against the sound doctrine, it was for the purpose so that they would be restored. You see, you're not in the church so that people are just run off, but you're setting sound doctrine, you're preaching sound doctrine, so that people who are coming against that can be restored. And get this, the individuals in Crete, and even that Titus was dealing with in Ephesians, they were preaching against what Paul was teaching, and Timothy was teaching, and here that Titus is having to deal with. It is believed that the church in Crete was a young church. Because in Timothy, Paul tells the tells Timothy, don't put anyone into office as an overseer that is a novice in the faith. But he doesn't say that here in regards to Titus. Why? It is believed because it was a young church. And therefore, there would be people that would have to be put into place. Because there would be no one else there to do it. And so he's given this instruction. These elders or bishops were to hold fast to the sound doctrine, as had been taught, and then he was to teach the congregation. Let me say this as I bring this to a close. Paul is very mindful, as he's preparing to one day leave the scene, that the church be left in good hands. That there be, there be teaching and preaching in such a way to where there's not compromise, and so that the body will grow. The body will be strengthened internally. Today I am concerned that there are churches that are um, filtering the word of God. Yes, we have to find ways at times to say things, but you don't change the message of the word of God. And today there is, there is this great encouragement to blend in and to make everything the same. This syncretism, this matter of saying a little bit of that's okay, a little bit of that's okay, and we just blend it all together. I'm going to tell my wife, and I'm going to end here. Can't blend everything. has to be done in a certain way. My wife made some cornbread the other day, and she was on the phone, and I had come in, and, and I said, you want me to go and put it in the, in, the, in the oven? And she said, yes. So as I was going to put it in the oven... I noticed that, I said, something don't seem right. And I went short. I said, is everything in here? <laughs> he said, yes. And as I was walking back, he says, oh, I forgot the flour. I said, don't worry about it. I'll put it in the pan. So I got the flour, mixed it in, added some more buttermilk, and stirred it all up real good, and put it in the oven. Something don't look right about this cornbread. <laughs> Took it out, had this wonderful dinner, got the cornbread, didn't even cut the same. Tasted it. Hmm, it's, it's good. <laughs> it was different. Very different. Come to find it, even had a pocket hole, had a pocket in it as well. We thought we can just fill in the flour, throw it in, but you can't do that. There was a certain order things had to go in. She says, I'm getting rid of this cornbread. I said, oh, no, no, no. Just leave me a few pieces. <laughs> I ate just maybe a couple more. You can get rid of it now. <laughs> so she made some more cornbread last night. 
Whoa, that was out of this world. She didn't forget any ingredients, didn't add anything too late. <laughs> There's a certain order in how we do things. You can't just do anything you want. There's a certain things that we have to do. We can't just mix this religion and that. God has called us to sound doctrine, the sound teaching. So when we stand and say we believe in the one God, the one Savior Jesus Christ, that's what we believe. Oh, other people might believe things, but we say you're welcome, we love you, but we're not changing the message for anybody. But we are welcome and we'll love you anyway. But they're the standard. Our Heavenly Father, we love you today and we thank you for your goodness and your righteousness. We thank you for the instructions given to Timothy or to Timothy and Titus in this matter here when we think about how they were to put bishops and elders into place, how they were to help set up the churches. And for this matter in Crete, we thank you that Paul did not leave us without wise counsel and that he had a young man that was able and willing to stay the course and to implement those things that he was laying out. So today we pray that God, the churches that, Lord, are in this land and throughout the world will stand for righteousness, will hold to the true word of God. Lord, that we won't cave into anything within and without, but that we'll be faithful because souls are at stake. We love you for who you are. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Look at God at hand. Let's give the Lord a wonderful hand for who he is. Amen. Amen. Amen.